0: Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. On today's podcast, I discuss what it means to be a CEO with Christine Griffey. We talked about our anxiety, imposter syndrome, and overcoming our own unrealistic expectations of ourselves. Excellent. So uh, this afternoon, we welcome Christine um, who is the Chief Executive Officer, the CEO of Shift Momentum. Welcome, Christine.
1: Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for having me. You make it sound oh, very problem.
0: formal. It's, I know, she right? It, I know. Officer. I love that bit. It does sound really weird. That's exactly what we're talking about today. You know, you mm-hmm. break down that, that title CEO, and that's exactly what it stands for, right? So... Chief Executive Officer. <laughs> I love the fact you're like.
1: sound really daunting. It's really intimidating.
0: <laughs> it is, and it's at the bottom of our both of our um, signatures. And I don't know whether or not you put much onus on that, but we'll we'll kind of come back to that. So, in a roundabout way, today we are talking about that title. We're talking about the terminology CEO, and you're coming to this role relatively new. And the first question, I suppose, is kind of who. Why this job now? What, you know, what kind of brings you to this conversation
1: today? Okay, so I'll give you a brief backstory, I guess. So at school, um, I guess up until a point, I felt like I was quite, I was doing quite well academically. Um, You know, I was always quite good at, at retaining information, taking tests and things like that. And then, Probably got to about year nine just as it starts getting important and decided to uh start bunking off school I'd turn up for my registration and then I'd leave for the rest of the day make it back for afternoon registration and leave again um so I did that for the last couple of years of school and then it came to my GCSEs and it it showed that I (laughs) that I'd done that Um, I was predicted quite high grades um based on previous work that I'd done um and my highest grade was a C, and it was actually revised, for, it was a D in English, um, in English literature, and they remarked them, because they thought they were too harsh, worked for me, because they upped it to a C, so I, I was doing all right, that was my highest grade, but um, I decided that I'd, had a, I'd kind of had enough of that way of learning, um, so I wanted to do something slightly different, so... I went off with my mum to look around different colleges and I looked into a beauty therapy course. Um, so that, that's what I decided to do. I loved the practical element of it. It was something completely different to school. Hadn't really thought about why or where it was going to take me. It was that, I mean, I was, I feared the question of what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. Cause I had no idea when I was a kid. It was, Oh, I want to be a teacher. Oh, I want to be an air hostess. Kind of your standard things that most kids want to be. Um, but yeah, I didn't know why I wanted to do it, just that it was, it was different. So I went and got my, I did two years of beauty therapy at Cambridge Regional College and I got my NVQ level two. But it got towards the end of my second year and I knew I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I couldn't see a long-term career in it. Um, it just, it wasn't wasn't for me. So I'd recently met my partner now, Alex, um, and his mum had a cleaning and ironing business, so I left college I just wanted to I just wanted to earn money. I just I, you know, Alex was older than I was. We wanted to go off on holidays. Um, I started thinking about growing up and I, I just I just wanted money. I just wanted to earn bring some money in. Alex had a job. Um, I wanted to be able to to pay my way, i guess and contribute and, contribute. and i've never been someone that's uh, oh well, I'm the man, so I have to pay nope. I want that. Um, I wanted to be able to contribute. I wanted to, I wanted to pay my bit. I wanted it to be equal from the get go, I guess. Um, so I left college and started cleaning for Alex's mum's cleaning company. And I'd do all the hours under the sun, whatever she could give me, I'd take. Um, so that, you know, me and Alex could start doing things together. And then that progressed throughout the years. Um, you know, the business got bigger and she needed some support in the office um so I it was a bit hybrid I'd do some work in the office for her helping her schedule and run the business um but I'd also go out and, and still clean when needed and then the time came about five years ago now I think it is um where the businesses it was a cleaning and a an dining business um but each service was was getting busier it was getting bigger And it wasn't what she wanted anymore. It wasn't that lifestyle business that that she was after. Um, So after of discussions, Sorry? become too successful, too big maybe. Yeah, and it just, yeah, it it wasn't what she was striving for. You know, she'd been doing it for a long time. um, And it was becoming more, it was becoming more stressful because it was getting bigger. It was taking more of her time. So she decided that she wanted to sell um, the ironing side of the business. And that was started by Alex's grandma, It'll be about 39 years ago now, I think. So it's, it's been established for a while. And, you know, it was always going to, never wanted it to go outside the family. It was always going to remain in the family. Um, and there was always the potential that, you know, Alex's sister would end up with it. But at the time, it wasn't right for her. So me and Alex decided, yep, we'll, we'll do that. He was, at his, he was still employed. He was at a, a big pharmaceutical company. So it was going to be left on me to run it. Mm-hmm. Which was fine, but it was the first time, I guess, I was responsible before. I'd, I'd been involved in the business, but I'd been heavily involved in the cleaning side, not so much the ironing. Ask anyone, ironing's not my bag. I'm <laughs> terrible at it, absolutely terrible. I um, absolutely hate it. But um, it was the first time that I was responsible, like solely responsible. Because whilst Alex was involved in it, like I say, he was still off and he was at work. Um, So it was down to me to run it and it was small at the time it was, it was small and that was, it was growing, but it was fine for Alison that it was still relatively small because obviously she had the cleaning for us. It being a standalone business. Now it wasn't fine that it was small. Mm. Alex's tactic was to to get busy. We just got to get busy. So we did that. We, we bought a second dining company, to latch onto it, um, we bought a second van. We expanded our radius. Um, we got we got really busy, we, and then we we reevaluated and realised that, well, we're travelling twenty five miles to pick up a load of ironing worth seventeen pounds at the time. Traveling twenty five miles back for that one person. By the time we've paid a driver, by the time we've paid an ironer, so we we then. We did. We reevaluated. We cut some of that extra that we'd taken on to get busy, and just kind of densified the areas that that we were doing well in. Um, so that was fine. Um, that was kind of my first experience into running a business. Did Alex, you
0: think was... at that time though, that you were running a business. Did you think about your title at that time, or did you think about your responsibilities as you know the chief exec or the, the director of a business at that time? Did you think of it like that?
1: No. I thought of it, I, I thought of it like I was a manager. I was managing the company end to end. Alex was at the time when it was first sold, you know, me and Alex hadn't been together for a huge period of time. We've been together for a few years. But it was a family business, and rightly so, it was sold to Alex. Mm. Um, so I guess he owned it, um, and he'd helped me with the strategy side of it. But day-to-day running, end-to-end running, was me. So I guess I, I viewed it more as a manager okay. than anything more than that. And, and as it evolved, obviously, me and Alex then became partners in that business. Um, I guess as I became more trusted in the family, maybe. Um, <laughs> but... Um, that was my first introduction to running a business, and it was, it, it was the hardest one. Um, you know, since then we started, you know, bought a commercial cleaning company. We started our own domestic cleaning company. Alex was starting Shift Momentum and Shifties. Um, so we've then since the ironing shop, our lives have been consumed by business. Um, Alex stayed at his corporate job probably for the first year or two that we had the ironing shop. And then he made that leap to leave once we bought Silvertone, the commercial cleaning company. But the ironing shop was my biggest challenge. I think I felt a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility. It wasn't, it wasn't my family that had started this business. It wasn't my business that I'd started. It was, it was someone else's grandma's business that I was being trusted with. And it, resulted in a a long period of time where i suffered with anxiety and since then it's funny when i look back now since then i've i've run i guess been the ceo of multiple businesses at one time wow back then it was just the ironing shop i feel like i had my breakdown a little early (laughs) um well, it was a really thing to look at. Yeah, and
0: actually it's interesting because you talk about the pressure there and mm. the pressure, I suppose, in my mind as well, and you might agree or disagree, but it's the perception of that responsibility that causes the pressure rather than the actual day-to-day job that you're doing because you're more than capable of doing the everyday day-to-day, day-to-day jobs because that's what you were doing with no problems whatsoever. And if there were problems, it's problems that every business owner in the whole of the world would come up against. I think sometimes the expectation of wanting to get it perfect or without having any issues or for it to go smoothly uphill all the time is the expectation. And that's very different from the realities. You're listening to It Is What It Is, the podcast. We hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. But for now, let's get back to that conversation. I just want to kind of go back to, because you talked earlier on about being a school. Did, is there anything you learned at school that held you in good stead for running your first business?
1: I think probably not academically. I think my mum always says it to me, or she, she always has said it to me in the past, is that the first few years, I was in secondary school in particular, probably summer primary school. I was a bit of a pushover. Like I'd kind of just, I'd roll with the punches and just kind of do whatever anyone else was doing. And we were actually talking about it in the office. um, uh, Monday, I think it was Um, a couple of us were chatting about our, our experiences of school. And there was, I think I was in year nine and there was this really ridiculous situation that happened where two of, my friends at the time decided to do something that made me so anxious to go into school that I spent a week or two off school mm. until they'd decided that I was back in the group and we were friends again for about two weeks in year nine. So I was what, 13, 14? Mm. I don't know how old you are in year nine anymore. Um, yes, I think it's about 14, but I spent a couple of weeks being Anxious to the point where I couldn't eat. I was telling my mum that I just wasn't well. She knew that wasn't true. Um, but the later years, you know, after that situation, my last couple of years at school, I started to develop a bit of a backbone. I started to develop a little bit of a little bit of resilience because I've definitely struggled with that throughout my adult life. But I, I think that the biggest thing that I learned at school was to stand up for myself to to be that bit stronger i think in in situations um so i'd I'd probably take that as my biggest learning from school nothing academic nothing specific to business
0: it's so fascinating because you know when you think about the ceo route you know these big corporate business owners all these big people you know that run these massive organizations you imagine or I don't know, the story that we're told is that people go to school, they get the best grades, then they go to university, they get the best university grades, you know, the best degrees, and then they go into business, they work their way from the bottom and they work their way up, and they get to this position of being this chief executive officer and they're running massive organs. And I, I kind of like, I don't see that. It's not my truth, and I, I don't believe it's your truth um, from what you've from what you've said. So how And that's probably not a question for you. It might be a question for Alex, actually. But, you know, how can we make sure that we can change the narrative? And I think that by people seeing your journey or hearing about your journey, they can think to themselves, actually, do you know what? That might might be okay for me not to know what I want to do. You know, I have two children and I never ask them what they want to do when they're older. I never, ever ask them that question. It's completely alien to me. Um, But I do appreciate that the current education system is somewhat not fit for purpose in that sense it, it teaches you like you said resilience you learn something yeah. new from what sounded as if it wasn't a very nice experience but you you got something out of that you know yeah. um, and that's what potentially our our education system can teach our young is how to yeah. how to interact with others the good the bad and the downright yeah. ugly right so yeah. yeah thank you for that it's interesting so the expectation then in terms of C- the CEO ro- role specifically the pressure that comes from that you've mentioned earlier that you had you know a couple of years of anxiety because of this level of responsibility and I certainly understand and can and sympathize with you i you know running my business for the past ten years there were certainly times when I felt completely out of my depth and that this was not for me and you know someone's going to tap me on the shoulder a minute and say, oh what are you doing you know playing shop and you know, money, you know, we never, ever went for, uh, for, for loans or we never, ever pushed our... I've never pushed our, myself to take outside investment because I always thought, God, investment, shut sure. yeah, up. I can't talk about investment. <laughs> I'm not growing
1: up enough for that. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm not growing up enough <laughs> for that word investment. That's what, you know, Tech Valley people do and stuff, you know. So the, is the expectation versus the reality somewhat different for you?
1: It is. I think... I think it's exa- exactly what you were just saying, you know, for, for me, I very much have always felt the same. Like I wasn't, there was no credibility for, that I could give that I should be running a business or that I could run a business. It kind of just happened. And I think that's sometimes where, you know, my self doubt and things like that come from is that I don't know why, like, I sometimes I feel like I shouldn't be doing this. I haven't got that university degree that would have told me exactly how to run a business. Um, and it's hilarious because, you know, you, you speak to Alex about it and it's exactly right what he says is that, you know, you can, you can go to college and you can go to university and spend all that time learning business. But you're never going to learn it the same way by actually doing it.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, that's, you know, they're not going to teach you the, the real nitty gritty, how you feel. Yes, they can teach you the, the, the fundamentals, the, the basics of running a business, but it doesn't always work out that way and you could do all of that stuff that you've been taught at university and it could still not work so I think it's kind of setting people up for this expectation that maybe doesn't happen and I'm I'm realizing that you speak to a lot of CEOs and that stereotypical way that people get there isn't how many of them got there (laughs) it's just what people think they should do and then normally people that have studied business might go and become some sort of business analysis in a bigger business um, rarely do you speak to a CEO that has gone through college, gone through university, started at the bottom, worked their way up to get there. Um, you know, they normally started off with an idea or being around someone else that had an idea. That's that's also part of my journey is as, you know, CEO, the pressures of, I didn't, I wasn't the founder of any of the companies that I've been the CEO of or helped run or the businesses that surround um, me and the people that I'm in business with. I didn't, I wasn't the founder of any of them. And so I struggle with that sometimes. I sometimes feel like, well, again, I've, I've just come in to manage them. Like it's not, I'm not, I'm not the creative behind it. I'm not the idea behind it.
0: That's another layer then, isn't it? Then yeah. so we've got the CEO, then we've now got a founder, you know, who, yeah. who, who founded the business. And it's interesting because I, I'm the founder CEO of my organization I started it from the very beginning but I also find it difficult being the owner of that business and working in the business if that makes yeah. any sense so you know I, I, it's almost like having a business and then having a CEO come in and run it for you you know that's what tends to happen with lo- lots of founders. I'm not there yet. I wish I was, but I'm <laughs> totally not there yet. You no, know, I'm still totally in in my business, but it's getting to that point now where I could quite easily hand it over to somebody else yeah. to run while I then go and look for other other things. And although I'm not there yet, it's certainly something that I'm looking at in, internally and you know giving mm-hmm. over more responsibility, etc., just so that I can then um, go and on
1: something yeah. else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: So that CEO founder thing is a thing. And I think if you've looked at LinkedIn, you know, you see people's profiles saying you founder of blah, 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 or founder CEO of, you know, whatever business it is that they're running. And actually there is no, there is nothing wrong at all with, being a CEO of an organization and people get CEO positions in lots of organizations, you know, without the pressure of never founding that business. So it is quite interesting, that narrative that we
1: tell ourselves, you know, And it's the separation between them. You know, like you say, it's often, and it was, it was this way with the iron shop that you'd, you're so in that business you are doing whilst, I mean, with the iron shop, we were fortunate that, you know, Wendy, Wendy's been with that business longer than, We have, um, she started off as an evening driver. She then increased to be kind of the only driver. And now she is running that business. Mm. Um, But that transition was hard because I'd gone from being on the sideline of that business when when Alex's mum had it, to then running that business end to end, to then letting go of some responsibility to Wendy. But I never wanted to feel like She, she wanted, she wanted to run that business, but anytime there was a problem and she'd maybe come to me to run it past me, to get my advice, I'd take the problem away from her because I didn't want to feel like her taking on that role in our business was negatively impacting her. I hated that feeling. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't relinquish everything. This process probably started of her running the business a couple of years ago. And it's only been this year where she has now got control of everything because I was so worried and it used to frustrate her. I know it did, but I used to worry about negatively impacting her. So I'd take all them problems. I'll just deal with that. I'll deal with that problem. Uh, I didn't do her any favours. Yeah. And now she deals with them fine. And she sometimes reminds me if I'm, if I ring you and have a bit of a whinge about something, it's just a vent. It's not because you need to jump in and do anything. I've got it. I can do it. But she used to say to me, you need to give that to me. I need to do that. I need to deal with that. And it's a process. I am a, I'm a little bit of a control freak. But once I get so stuck into something and it's what I'm then comfortable and used to, it's always easier to jump in and just do it yourself. So it's, as it transitions, it's being comfortable with all the different levels of that transition, I think, and accepting where you are currently. Like you say, you're the CEO and founder but you might still be doing quite a lot in your business and that's fine. And when it comes to a point where you're not, it's also fine that you're not. I sometimes feel that I'm not doing enough. Are you looking at me thinking, you're CEO, but what the hell are you doing? Yeah, yeah, You're just over there with an easy life. (laughs) It's finding that balance and and being comfortable with every phase of it, I think, is... um, is a challenge that you have to overcome it's doing the work right and i love the fact
0: that you mentioned there about wanting to take away the pressure and most people when they say that they you know it's easier to do it yourself rather than explaining it to someone who sees you you didn't say that what you said was you'd hate for her to feel negative impact of something that you could do easily i think i've never heard somebody say that before it's a really it's a really nice thing to, to do. I understand that the differences behind what might happen for, for Wendy, you know, the frustrations and not, and they not learning and you've got to do it yourself. But the fact that you wanted her, you want to take it away from her is a really, it's a really awesome thing. I, I, I do appreciate that. It's, it's a nice thing to do.
1: But so, they're not there, but you know, it's not, it's not her business and she, she very much encompasses the whole line shop and she has now got a share in, you know, she's, she's got some shares in that business because she's, Earn it as much as we did, if not more so. Um, but at the time, it wasn't her business. So should she and I get, you know, work's work and different challenges come up for different people. But in my head at the time, it was like it's not her business. She shouldn't have to, shouldn't have to deal with the stresses that come with a business. You know, she's had young kids. I hated the thought of it impacting her life. Yeah. So to her detriment at the time and mine not been able to get out of the business as quickly I'd take it off her like you say the 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 court the reasons behind it were good but it just delayed the process for us both it's it's nice that we're at a point now where it's she's she's got it and I, I never doubted that she was capable it was that I don't want my business to have a negative impact on your life and your family oh, life and- people if you just heard that like <laughs> CEOs please
0: just like listen to that it's <laughs> amazing you know you don't want your business to have a negative impact on your staff I mean that's no. just absolutely amazing and if all organizations took that stance from management down then I really do believe that organizations wouldn't have half the problems that they potentially have yeah. with staff attention and staff loyalty and, you know, looking at their mental health and being aware of the things that pressures of work can do for people, you know, yeah. and actually that kind of brings it round to, you know, to that whole CEO and looking after. And we've had discussions before about being females, you know, mm-hmm. females, women having a different outlook, perhaps of business and of staff yeah. and of looking yeah. after. I'm not saying before the men, have a go at it. <laughs> it's not it's not that you don't okay i'm not men <laughs> hating <laughs> it's just because i think it's done slightly differently i don't imagine and again it's a very big assumption i don't imagine that i would sit and discuss this conversation with with most guys and them saying well actually i was really concerned about you know the fact that they have children it's almost like an expectation if you go to work this is what's expected of you versus well what can i do in order to make that easier for, for them, you know, so it, it, I, I've had conversations before and I've heard of other women in business talking about perhaps that soft side of, of them becoming a detriment in business. You know, if people see them as being too soft or too um, too nice, then people will walk all over them. You know, so therefore you've got to be hard. And I, I remember doing a presentation a couple of weeks ago on PowerPoint and there is a, a button that you can press to get a picture of a businesswoman. So I literally typed in businesswoman. All of these business women were in black suits, you know, high heels, great back hair, and they had their arms folded or their hands on their hips. It was almost this kind of very passive aggressive masculine kind of um look for women in business you know I wear trainers all day and I have jumpers on and I'm comfortable so it's not helped I don't think by society almost having a perception of what a business woman should look like
1: let alone a CEO you know yeah no I, I completely agree I mean form formal doesn't really happen in our office I can't I can't. I mean, the thought of wearing heels to work every day—literally, no. I'm just <laughs> not going to do it. No way. I don't want to look formal and scary to me. The and I think it's it's different different types of leaders. I mean, you know, I'm I'm now the CEO of Shift Momentum, but I didn't. I wasn't always. Um, I'm not the founder of that business. Alex is the founder of that business, and he was the CEO for a long time. Um, he asked me if I would do it this year, um, because we knew we were going to expand and we were going to take on more team members. He knows he's not the right person to manage a team of people. He's great and he can motivate and he can champion and he can support, but he's got a very different style to me. He has got a more masculine, aggressive style to managing people and that is necessary sometimes um you know he's also got his very supportive side which you know but you know when it comes to when push comes to shove and something needs to get done he's gonna default to aggressive and and masculine and that's not always what people need Mm. and he he knows he he knew that to to lead to to manage that team of people he wasn't the right person to do it so he asked me to do it and he took a step back he still plays a very vital role in it but he can come in and give that motivation and that different type of energy at the right time when it's required it's not what people are around all the time and I think if that is what people think a CEO should be let alone a female one then I know now I'm gonna fail because I can't (coughs) I can't bring myself to do it. Yeah, I'm going to fail. Yeah, yeah. I can stand up for myself and I can be stern and I can be straight and I can be, you know, whatever's, yeah, whatever's needed. But I'm never going to be the person to stand in a room and start screaming at people. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not, I don't don't want people to, I don't want people to fear me. I want people to respect me and I will respect them. But that's a two way thing. That's earned. And storming in and just, having a go at everyone day one it's not going to get you they might be scared of you they're not going to give you any respect and why would you want to be feared rather than respected um which is it's a big thing for me and like I say you know there's something around we've always chosen for for a while it was just us and even when I was running Silvertone the commercial cleaning business and we had 25 30 employees they're location based so they they we never really see each other. We'd have conversations and we'd communicate with each other, but we're not working around each other all the time. So it was different to what it is now. And um yeah, I just there's something around people need to know that you you care about them, that you're not just there, right, come on, you you're working towards my mission, I'm paying you. Come on, let's go. No, we, we've always decided that we don't want to do this. We've never wanted to do this on our own, be that through taking on employees, be that collaborating with other businesses. It's, it's a big part of what we do. So if we're choosing not to do it on our own and we're choosing to bring people into that and get people on our journey with us, they deserve to be treated in a certain way. And like I say, I'd, I hate the idea of being feared. I absolutely hate it. Respect and fear are different, and it should be respect. It shouldn't be fear. Absolutely, I agree. And you know what? It's interesting because I kind of want to bring everybody to
0: to understand the terminology. And I mean, aggressive is not necessary. I think when people talk about aggressive, they're like violent or you know yeah. shouting and stuff. That's not aggressive necessarily in my mind. And I think mm-hmm. actually when you're going in and doing very, very clearly defined things in a way that is straight to the point without any kind of soft edges. That is aggression. Um, yeah. And again, you're quite right. It's totally fine for some organisations and some people thrive off of that. Yeah. I think it makes a really, really good CEO or director or manager if you can pick out the things that work for people. You know, And I know Alex and very, I know Alex very well and he is the softest guy. Oh, he is. Our- He's so
1: squishy inside
0: absolutely in terms of personality but when when you talk about his his aggressive stance what I mean what I think you mean by that or what I certainly pick up from that is he knows exactly what he wants and goes for it very direct very clear without any apology and so I think I want to just make sure that people are aware when we're talking about aggressive behavior Mm. it's not aggression from what people perceive as being it's just very clearly defined and to the point and with no apology and actually I love that I think it's really important sometimes but for and you and I have had discussions about this before for some people that's not going to work no. some people just need a little bit more of that you know that that sitting down and that just softer approach and no. it takes a good person to recognize that their style perhaps isn't met suited to everybody and I love the fact that you've come into the shifties now and are bringing that stance and bringing no. that vibe to, to the group so what do you hope to bring then to your role as CEO, and every time I I say this, you laugh. It's hilarious. Uh, as a as a CEO, to to shift his mem- to shift his momentum. What do you think, or what are your goals, aspirations for the future for, for your role there?
1: Oh, that's a, that's a big question. big question. It's a big question. Um, I guess I I want to I do want to be able to make my mark on that business. Like I say, I didn't I wasn't the founder. Um, you know the first couple of years I was very much involved in it from an outside point of view um, and I think between shift momentum and, and shifties the the journey's changed over the, the couple of years that they've they 've been around and I now with with shift momentum specifically i want to I want to get it doing what it's it 's capable of doing. I really want to solidify that because you know we've we 've had internal conversations about this um you know we've had some external conversations about it and and there's a little bit of confusion around shift momentum and shifties and what they obviously everyone knows is a connection because shifties was born out of of shift momentum and it all started with alex and and danny at the time um so it's it's for me my focus is is shift momentum while supporting alex and shifties and and really championing that business and the people within it to to get to where they can get to really solidify what it is that we're doing what it is we can offer businesses because we know it's articulating that in the right way like i say we there is that connection there between shift momentum and shifties and that's that's absolutely fine like i say one was born from the other but they've definitely got different missions and i'd like to it's where me and alex whilst we're aligned we also have different aspirations and different achievements so you know, for me, it's I, I, I want to make an impact on that business. I want to bring my stamp to it. I want to, I do want to, not feminise it slightly, but just just soften it a little bit, and yeah, re- really solidify what that is. For me as a CEO, it's I, I've got a long way to go myself in terms of how I feel about me, my capabilities, and, and everything like that. And it's great that the people that I've got around me champion that they offer me the support they you know they believe that I can do it all that nice stuff but and, that, and that's lovely and you definitely need it to me my biggest journey is 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 believing it myself because it's great that everyone tells you it it's really really great it's really lovely I don't want to undermine that at all but until you believe it yourself that's never going to be enough it's never going to be enough to change your entire outlook on how you approach everything
0: might say at this point fake it to make it right have you heard of that fake it to make it I hate that saying because I can't fake anything whatever I feel see is on my is everything I talk about you know I can't be I can't fake it I know what they mean you know by putting that smile on face and just going out there and smashing it but I feel I feel it's really important to be vulnerable I think it's important to be authentic and to tell people actually struggling I mean the, the ladies in my office all know when I'm on a bad one, you know, when I'm not feeling confident in myself or when I'm kind of double-checking the decisions I've made and I don't feel, you know, Caroline will always laugh and say, oh, um, you're wrapping up ABC Last Spot again, are you? You know, because that's it, I've had enough, I can't do this anymore. Something <laughs> happens once every six months and I'm still here 10 years later. So mm-hmm. I think it is one of those things about just being clear that actually to be vulnerable and to be um, to be soft and to be yeah. deep, are part of that journey and mm-hmm. without then having to to fake it roll with the dice you know roll with it when it's good it's good when it's bad talk about it and try and figure out yeah. what you can do because that's part of the parcel i don't believe anybody has a upward streak in their business all the time it would just be no. and also if it was true then we wouldn't have businesses that fail or businesses that stop because it would always be on that up trajectory and it doesn't work like that so you know i'm really excited to see what you do with with shift momentum um i think you are absolutely amazing and i look very 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 much forward to seeing seeing your growth as a ceo It's gonna be cool. Mm-hmm. excellent so thank you so much christine um so can you just tell us where people can find information about um shift momentum please i know that we've got you've got really big following on on social media and stuff so if you just tell us where you can where we can find you
1: yep so you can find us on your, I won't say every social media channel because there's ones that we haven't ventured into shifty's ventured onto tiktok I'm not I, 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 <laughs> it's not I like ridiculous. scrolling through it I can't <laughs> imagine I was on it right now I don't know what we'd do on there but um yeah so, so Facebook LinkedIn um Instagram we had our, our little behind the shift YouTube series there's some funny videos on there um and then yeah shift awesome thank you so much
0: so there you go um ladies and gentlemen uh, the journey of becoming a ceo christine thank you so much you take it easy and um, i'm sure we you, will catch up very soon
1: you've been listening to the
0: it is what it is podcast presented by danielle bridge and produced by
1: defresh productions